Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who is still sad about John Proctor, my despondent friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? You know, the Salem Witch Trials were a terrible, a terrible thing. and It is super sad. Uh, but I am glad that we can move on. I, I'm, I did enjoy Cotton Mather. I don't mind... I wouldn't mind a little bit more of him with ye old English. <laughs> all right. Well, since that Marvel team up is all done, we'll start a new one. All right. <laughs> From May of 1976, Marvel team up 45 featuring Spider-Man and Killraven in Future Shock, written by Mantlo, art by Busima and Esposito. Spider-Man is still in Salem and sad about John Proctor when he jumps into the time machine. The machine overshoots and he finds himself in New York well into the future. New York has been destroyed by Martians, but thankfully, Killraven is there to save and explain this all to Spider-Man. The duo are gassed in a surprise attack by the Martians and captured. They have a psychedelic experience fighting while fighting the Martians, uh, but end up winning. Spidey gives Killraven a pep talk and jumps back into the time machine to hopefully return home. Uh, Killraven is like a cosmic He-Man on a pink lizard horse, right? What a character this guy is. I don't think I've cared any less about Spider-Man's sidekick in Marvel team-ups until I met Killraven. I just was like, who is this guy? I don't even know him. I did like, though, how the book picked up from the last issue for a whole page like that continuity yes. rewards someone like us yeah like the only two people who have read them back i'm like wow he's still cotton mather was still in the book yeah we picked it up that was great uh, yeah it's not like a, just a one-off they're really clear with what occurred before so yeah i have one other revelation before i'm done with this book i can't wait um did you see what year they ended up in uh not wasn't uh no what was it james b tell me there they're in this year. Everything's going bad. It's a terrible time in the world. It's 2019. <laughs> well, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Moving on from June of 1976, Marvel Team Up 46 featuring Spider-Man and Deathlock in Am I Now or Have I Ever Been? Again, by Mantlo, Lucima, and Esposito. Uh, on my cover, it says... Uh, the battle you demanded. Uh, is the bat? Is this the battle we really demanded? Oh, we're actually listening to the narrator now because then I, I want to go back to the previous book where it says, you'll never forgive yourself if you fail to read Future Shock. <laughs> and I, I forgave myself if I had not re- read it. So I, I think, Eddie, we could ignore those uh, selling points. All right, all right. Well, even if we didn't demand the battle, uh, the time machine has once again malfunctioned. Spidey has yet again found himself not in 1975, but 1990. Uh, he sees and jumps the cyborg known as Deathlock uh, as he's about to shoot some kids in a dystopian Times Square. But it turns out the mutant children are the real threat. Together, they kill or scare off the mindless hordes of children carrying death laser cubes. Uh, yes, that the they are carrying these cubes that shoot lasers. Um, the children are. Uh, but the, the duo are attacked again, but manage to repel the zombie mutant children again. Uh, Spidey tells Deathlock he's living his life wrong and walks back into the time machine, hopefully to 1975. Uh, does Spider-Man tell Deathlock that Deathlock is living his life wrong? Or does Spider-Man tell Deathlock he... Spider-Man's living... I don't understand what you meant there. 
I think he's telling Deathlock here, he says, it's, it's a very odd interaction that happens at the very end of the book. He says to Death, here it is right here, sorry, okay. Um, it's a wonderful life you've got here, fighting all the side issues while the real problems sit on top and laugh at you, laugh at all of you. I pray that this isn't our future, the future of any time. And he goes into about how the system that made him is the real problem. It's it's a weird ending, but he, basically he gives Deathlock a mini sermon here and waltzes back to the time machine. Yeah, I I don't care about Deathlock either. So I've had back-to-back <laughs> books where I'm like, I don't really know these other characters. I don't care about them. However, this was a better book. I enjoyed the first few pages where, where Spider-Man attacked Deathlock because not knowing who he was, I thought Deathlock was the bad guy. And he was going to shoot a bunch of kids. I was like, sure, stop this guy. And then you're like, oh, just the ugly man with the gun might not might be the good guy. It's, I thought that was a good message being sent there. Eddie, 1975, 1976, you know, whatever year they're choosing. I mean, they're writing this book in 76. Uh, how do you feel about the fact that they're time stamping the world and saying that Spider-Man is currently in 1975? This this is this is terrible. It's so dangerous to say that he's moving back to 1975. I mean, if we assume he started in the 60s and he's 10 years older than then, I, I would prefer if they just don't say anything about times, the dates and such. They they do do a lot of like Mr. Wallflyer 1967, though, so they have done this in the past. I think you just have to let it... I think we're always going to have to ignore the year that the book is being written in. It's just... Anything else on this book before we move on? <laughs> Uh, is there any future in Spider-Man that is not like a shamble dystopian world? <laughs> uh, not yet. <laughs> I can't wait to see one where he goes to the future. He's like, wow, this is so pleasant. I can't wait to be here. Uh, he also calls Deathlock a glamour puss, which is one of my favorite Spider-Man insults I've read in a while. <laughs> well, Eddie, at the end of the book, it says, our stupendous storyline continues in Marvel 2 and one seventeen. Why don't you give us an intro about what that is? From July of 1976, Marvel 2 in 1-17, featuring Spider-Man and the Thing in The City of Fire. Written by Manilo, art by Bushima, and Esposito. Uh, Spider-Man arrives back in the correct time, finally, Hooray. and slowly loses his memory of the events from the previous issues with Killraven and Deathlock. So he's actually just forgetting that. He's like, I did something. I can't remember. He does seem to remember the whole Puritan storyline for whatever reason. Meanwhile, the thing is leaving a volcano in the Savage Land when he encounters the Basilisk, who we saw die at the end of Marvel Team Up 17 when the volcanic magma engulfed him. Ah! Uh, We switch to Peter, who's on the phone with Mary Jane, uh, when a volcano appears in the middle of the Hudson River. Spider-Man makes a disc to try to block the heat, and then he uses it to try to step on, but it sinks quickly, so he has to make a few more like little lily pads he can jump across. Uh, the, the basilisk <laughs> stands atop the volcano with an unconscious thing high above his head. And that's the end of the book. Uh, Eddie, this was easily the best book so far, even though there in this book there's no explanation of how the basilisk is not dead. Um, at least it's, not, it's going to happen in the next book, but to have him show up, you think they would reference why he isn't dead. Yeah, you know, I read this one a little quickly because I didn't really understand the continuity here. We moved from, you know, Marvel team-ups to two-in-one, and then we get our annual. So, uh, you know, you can help me if I got something wrong here, but I I do really like seeing the Basilisk. He moves in the oddest way possible, you know, shooting lasers out his eyes to move around. He's like, at one point, he's like cartwheeling around a cave with the thing in it, and that's the best thing about the Basilisk, almost certainly. I'll talk about it in a minute, but I love the Spider-Man and the Thing pairing up. Well, if you love them pairing up, why don't you do the last of our not 
you know, mainstream books. We have one more Marvel team-up left to cover, and it's from July of 1976, Marvel team-up 47, featuring Spider-Man and the Thing in I Have to Fight the Basilisk, written by, once again, Mantlo, but this time the art is by Wilson and Atkins. Uh, Spidey's made it home only to find the Basilisk riding a volcano into NYC with a knocked-out Thing trying to stop him. Basil Elks, which... (laughs) is, you know, the Basilisk's real terrible wordplay name, uh, gives us a long-winded backstory of his creation and of what happened to him when Spider-Man and Mr. Fantastic defeated him last time and how he's more powerful than ever. Uh, J. Jonah at the Bugle is getting Shakespearean about the failures of his newspaper staff as he looks out the window at the volcano with fighting heroes. The Basilisk, during the fight, abruptly leaves... And flies into the city to destroy people who he thinks have called him losers his whole life. Fortunately, the duo, the Thing and Spider-Man, catch up to him and give him a cooperative punch. That sends him flying into the emerging volcano, causing it to implode. The Thing watches the sunset with Spidey as NYC is back to normal. <laughs> is a uh, You know, I thought about this as the Thing is climbing up the volcano coming out of the water. What if he falls into the water? Is this a death sentence for Ben Grimm? Well, in the Marvel 2-in-1 issue, he wasn't sure if he touched the lava, if it would hurt his rocks or if he was resilient to the rocks. So the fact that he was unsure if lava would destroy him, I think he could probably fall in the water okay. I, I mean, I was super scared. Is he strong enough to actually swim, even though he is made of you know 600 pounds of stone? Or he sa- It says it several times. The thing is like... Because the thing is holding on to Spidey as he swings around here, and he, they're like 600 pounds of stone. I was so impressed by the strength of uh, the webbing, which, you know, sometimes fails Spidey. Um, the duo, though, is just, this has got to be my favorite Marvel team-up um, as far as, like, pairings, you know? Maybe not the best written book, but I love the wisecracks coming from both of them. They play off of each other so wonderfully. They, they didn't do a lot together. The books were both very, you know, this one and the previous one, where the characters were pretty separate for a while. Yes. And this book does have a very, very long retelling. I had asked you, why wasn't the Basilisk dead? I, I take that back. Please don't give me six pages explaining to me why he's not dead, because it was a very long retelling of why he wasn't dead. Yeah, so. it was, oh my goodness, we don't, we just need to know the Basilisk is here. You, you know, you talked about that there was that big cooperative punch at the end there. It's funny because yes. Sal Buscema is no, usually known for these giant punches. And after him writing all these issues, he's not in this one. And there's a couple big punches anyway. I'm All, all I can guess is that maybe they had intended for him to write it because the fact that Spider-Man the thing gave him a punch and sent him flying. I mean, I'm looking at the math here. I'm guessing they sent him flying. 300 feet into the air he crashed into a volcano and it exploded that is definitely a sal Busima punch even though it was not drawn by him in this issue so go figure well uh you know this page here where it goes spider-man's got the thing holding on and he says wooey here comes spider-man the man without fear and the thing <laughs> says sheesh ain't you got no respect for copyright infringement webhead and he goes no i'm shameless besides i'm sure daredevil will forgive me <laughs> poor daredevil but <laughs> these are just some of the interactions that i so hope we get more of uh in the future <laughs> well the only book we're doing today that's not a team-up is we brought back an annual, 
And that's from 1976, The Amazing Spider-Man in King Size Annual 10, written by Bill Mantlo, art by Gil Kane, and inked by Iacoya and Esposito. J. Jonah Jameson is furious that Spider-Man roams the streets while his paper sales drop. After berating Peter for taking pictures of boring crimes, Peter tells him all Spidey's greatest foes are locked up. This gives J. Jonah a brilliant idea, and he chuckles as he grabs his hat to leave the bugle. Joe Robbie's literally shooting baskets of, like, you know, balls of paper, and he's saying things like basket as he's throwing them. <laughs> what a great employee. <laughs> well, uh, later that day at the waterfront, a hostage negotiation is underway. Uh, Spidey arrives and sees fit to circumvent the police. He gets inside the building, subdues the gang, and with the exception of the leader, Rick Deacon, uh, who puts a gun to a young woman's head and gets outside trying to escape... Um, Spidey then nabs the woman with webbing, grabbing her away from the criminal, and the police immediately shoot him, and he falls mysteriously into the water. Yeah, well, the cops think they've killed him, but, you know, because the <laughs> cop's killing a guy who wasn't shooting at them, it's not a great look. You know, you make it sound like the cops saved the girl, like, the guy's like, the, he loses the hostage, he's just standing there, and the cops just unload on him. I, I think he shoots at the cops. Doesn't he? Well, he says, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm going down, wall crawler, and I'm gonna take all of you with me." Skakow. I, I don't know. Okay. I, yeah. The, I, I, I can't. I don't have it in front of me. I'll, I'll trust you. I, I don't. Ha- I read the actual hard copy. Oh, okay. So I okay. Well, I, I was more concerned. This is the second time that Spider-Man is just circumventing a police situation. You may remember he decided to break into the supercomputer and run names through it in um, one of our last Amazing Spider-Mans. I don't like this. It's it's bad look for Spider-Man to just basically be a vigilante, you know, fighting, doing his own criminal investigation. You know, the annuals aren't Marvel team-ups, but they're more like Marvel team-ups than they are like regular books. They get a little, they can do what they want in these books, hmm. right? All right. All right. Well, anyways, J. Jonah has returned uh, to the brother of the man who created the Scorpion, Dr. Harlan. Harlan is quite the patsy and gets bullied into making another supervillain for J. Jonah. Just as he, it's just as Harlan needs a subject uh, to run on his experiment, the criminal who fell into the water earlier, Rick Deacon, shows up and forces him to turn him into a human fly. Wait, wait, a couple things. What? Why? Why does this guy come walking in? I, I don't know. I, was, I assume the lab is at the waterfront, and he... I, how does he know? <laughs> yeah, he... Like, the guy's like, there's still the minor matter of a volunteer, and he's like, consider that solved. Who are you? How did you get in here? You know, he's like, I crawled in here. And he's like, wait. Oh, I know what it is. He says, you've patched up pals of mine when the price is right. So he's one of those, he's one of those typical, like, bad guy, uh, medical, usually they're veterinarians and something like that. They're doing stuff on the side. Okay. And the other thing I had a question for is, J. Jonah Jameson asks this guy to make a superhero. Right. He says, make a superhero. So remember in the beginning, you said that he had some kind of idea after hearing all the villains yes, were locked yes. up. Is his idea to make a new villain to fight Spider-Man? Or was his idea to make a hero to fight the criminals on the streets? Like, what? Well, it doesn't seem connected. I, I think J. Jonah uh, assumes that if he makes a hero, he will side with J. Jonah, who thinks Spider-Man is a vigilante and a criminal. So, I mean, he, I don't disagree. he considers Spider-Man I, to be a villain, doesn't he? 
I don't disagree with that, but it's a big connection where he says, Peter's like, all of Spider-Man's greatest foes are locked up. And he's like, oh, I have a great idea. I'm like, well, it didn't, that didn't seem to connect. It it doesn't read very well. It seemed like he thought about the Scorpion. He's like, ah, yes, I'll go make another Scorpion and that'll get rid of Spider-Man. But yeah, geez. All right. Well, I'm not going to penalize Bill Mantlo for every little thing. So, (laughs) Uh, Please continue with the summary. uh, At the Bugle, J. Jonah gets a call from Dr. Harlan explaining he has a problem. J. Jonah uh, cryptically excuses himself and goes to the lab to find Dr. Harlan murdered. And J. Jonah is immediately kidnapped by the human fly. Uh, The fly goes to the bugle then also, where he explains he's kidnapped Jonah and demands Joe Robbie have all the newscasters come to the Coliseum at midnight to see a battle between the fly and Spider-Man for J. Jonah's life. It seemed like a movie for a moment with this big, large crowd in the press. I mean, I didn't let that. It was at midnight, but did you kind of get that feeling a little bit? Well, I I was uh, more disturbed. Like, why does the fly think Spider-Man is going to stick his neck out for J. Jonah? Like, <laughs> there's a lot of other people. I guess the fly is unknowledgeable about anybody Spider-Man has a connection to other than J. Jonah Jameson. So he assumes he'll be noble and come free one of his greatest adversaries. <laughs> Right. This is like when the when the Green Goblin has Flash tied up and he's like the three people you love most in the world. And we're like, eh. all right, Flash. Well, uh, Spider-Man shows up to the Midnight Rumble. And while the insect superheroes are closely matched, Spidey's webbing entraps the fly uh, to defeat him. The next day, Peter presents his pictures to J. Jonah, uh, who is tied up during the fight, and J. Jonah rips them up, explaining to Peter he needs to take more pictures of muggings and car strippings. Yeah. Back to your boring crimes. Well, easier to get those photos. (laughs) Yeah, a car stripping? How exciting can that be? (laughs) And how do you capture that exactly? Uh, Before we touch... Before we go back and see if there's anything we want to talk about, let me... uh, Knock off our sponsor really quick. All right. Today's sponsor is a returning sponsor, one we've had actually before. Uh, Eddie, the Daily Bugle has breaking headlines, <laughs> timely updates, lifestyle, and entertainment news. Want to know what's going on with Whitey Mullins? Check out the comprehensive sports section with full-color photos, including some of Crusher Hogan. Is Spider-Man a menace? Check out the Daily Bugle front page with photos by photographer Peter Parker. You know, he was nominated for Photographer of the Year, uh, having great photos, including some of Captain Stacy committing a crime. Uh, Whether it's a supervillain or a local robbery or a car stripper, we got you covered. Publisher J. Jonah Jameson helped expose Sam Bullitt as a racist. If you're not a racist, you should subscribe today. A year subscription is only $120. So, Eddie, are you ready to subscribe to a year subscription to The Daily Bugle? I have said in the past that Daily Bugle is a good source of information. But, you know, I'm concerned. I feel like its sales are dropping. Maybe this is a public trend I might be a part of. Am I really going to buy it? Well, apparently not. So let's go back to these uh, <laughs> these issues here. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, Eddie, we covered five books today. We covered uh, two weird Marvel team-ups with Killraven and Deathlock. Then we covered the two-part book that went over to Marvel 2-in-1 and back to Marvel team-up, which is the only books that actually you could have done that with because... Yes. The Marvel 2 and 1 is basically the thing. He's the main character, and then his psychic can be whoever shows up to help him. And then we went back to an annual 
which now the annuals are back on the board. Um, where do you want to talk about? What do you want to go talk about first? You got a minute? I, Pick something. I was a little disappointed um, after I actually legitimately enjoyed the time machine with Dr. Doom and the several Marvel team ups in a row, which covered the story. And with all the superheroes involved in it too, the vision, Scarlet, Witch, um, you know, it, it was entertaining. And now these just don't make a lot of sense. And I, I, this, I, we've talked about it before. They spend a lot of time having to kind of explain the situation and who's where and doing what, and then it's over. So I, I was disappointed with the Marvel team ups, unfortunately. All right. Bubba, no shout out for Moondragon I saw in your explanation of heroes. <laughs> I like the annual because it was one big annual with no reprints in it at all. I didn't even mind that it wasn't amazing because it had a new villain in it. I always like new villains. It wasn't a ridiculous villain. It was a sort of okay villain. Yes, there yeah. were some problems where why is he going to go rescue J. Jonah Jameson? And, uh, you know, we talked about there's a little bit of a lack of connection. It's kind of forced. But for an annual, this this was fine. I was, I was happy yeah. with that. Uh, you know, it seems it's a little cliche to have the spider versus the fly, but... I, I liked that. It, it was fun to see them really match, um, you know, match skills. And, you know, I read this one with Violet, and I was like, well, what do you think Spider-Man's going to do? And she's like, well, he's going to use his web. That's how any spider defeats a fly. <laughs> so I like that. That's that's how it played out, too. It, yeah. it was it was fun. For those older listeners, the, the fly is also, I believe the villain on like the electric company when Spider-Man has to fight people on that TV show, there's a Spider-Man who only talks in thought bubbles. There's no actual vocals, you know, behind it, but I'm pretty sure he fights the fly a lot because it just was a not real hero at the time, you know, and and then they probably like, Hey, we should make a fly. So I wonder how often the, you know, a magazine gets its ideas from like television, the way that they did for, Spider-Man and his amazing friends where Firestar uh-huh. was in it. And then later they actually added her to the Marvel universe. So I just wondered if the fly came from that, but yeah, so obvious. And Spider-Man only makes one or two jokes about the spider and the fly. He's not too bad about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. Um, Eddie, if people wanted to tell me about the electric company or they wanted to tell you about <laughs> Basil Elks is an excellent name. Uh, how could they reach us? <laughs> Uh, if they want to buy the bugle, right? Um, you could email us at let's read Spider-Man at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at let's read Spidey. <laughs> it's time for the close. I'm Eddie, joined by James B. And remember, listeners, if you want Spider-Man to show up somewhere, there are better choices for a hostage than J. Jonah Jameson. Goodbye. Goodbye. And these are all, and these characters are promoting a book called Amazing Adventures because both Killraven and uh, the other dude, um, uh, who's the other guy? Oh, Deathlock. It, it's, it says in like a scene in Amazing Adventures yeah. 30, a scene in Amazing Adventures 32 through 34. So Oof. they're trying to promote some other books and saying, hey, come read. Maybe I'm interested now in reading about these guys. Oh. So. <laughs> it's funny to me that they would not name a villain. When, you know, we have been so often be getting, been getting names for, like, random generic thugs and gangs, you know? You know what? That's Rufio, a good thing. Waldo. 
Go get the car. <laughs> you know what? You're right. This one says versus the minions of the Martian masters. Ooh. Spider-Man and Deathlock versus the Cubists, Strake, and Grissom. Yeah. Did you see did you see any of those people? Strake and Grissom Grissom are the guys shooting a sniper rifle at at uh oh. at Killock okay. and Spider-Man and, and Spider-Man. The Cubists of the Kids. Yes. And the, the Cubists are, of the Kids. So. They're called the Cubists. <laughs> it's funny that they are the name villain. They are, that has got to be. They're just some dudes with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. And some... I thought it was funny when they said like each other's names so clearly when they're sitting up there. They're like having this whole conversation about should we shoot this guy, you know, um, Killlock and this other guy, Strake, Cyborg coming into sight, Strake. Sure. About time we've been waiting all morning ever since the Omni computer latched onto the signals from that freak. <laughs> okay, guys, you know, Deathlock, Killlock. I'm mixing their names up. Killlock, Death, Death Raven. Raven. <laughs> that's how. That's how. They that's are. how. Right. That's how important <laughs> these guys are that you and I can't even get their names straight. <laughs>